Unstoppable Success Radio, episode 54. A huge thank you goes out to everyone who supported the launch of my new book, Unstoppable, Nine Principles for Unlimited Success in Business and in Life. We have now become an international bestseller, number one in 30 different categories, 11 of which are international. So thank you. And to those of you that haven't gotten your copy yet, pause this episode and head on over to Amazon today and grab your copy of Unstoppable, Nine Principles for Unlimited Success in business and in life. Welcome back. You are listening to Unstoppable Success Radio. I am your host, Kelly Roach, and I am super excited to have with me the brilliant Kevin Cruz. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, Kelly. Great to be here. Excited to have you on. So I want to share a little bit about you with our listeners, and then you can fill in any gaps. So Kevin is an Inc. 500 serial entrepreneur. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's a Forbes columnist, and he has been named a top 100 business thought leader by Trust Across America. Over the last 20 years, Kevin has started or co-founded several multi-million dollar companies, which have won awards for both fast growth in the Inc. 500, very coveted awards. So congratulations on that, Kevin, as well as employee engagement, one of his companies being named number four best place to work in Pennsylvania, my home state. That is awesome. As a keynote speaker and performance coach, Kevin has worked with Fortune 500 CEOs, startup founders, and U.S. Marine Corps officers and nonprofit leaders. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kelly. That's uh, quite an intro, but I appreciate that. Like you said, we're uh, both in the great state of Pennsylvania, and uh, that Best Place to Work Award is probably really the only award that I felt a little bit uh, proud of. It was nice to be able to uh, you know, get that feedback from the employees. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's huge. That's really what it's all about because it, it shows that you've not only mastered business, but leadership. You're having a positive impact on people while accomplishing your business goals. And I think that's you know one of the highest accomplishments that any of us as a leader can have, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's awesome. So, you know, obviously you have this incredible book. You've become a New York Times bestselling author. I was prepping for the episode and I'm literally like, I don't even know what to pick because I want to share so much of what you've done with everybody. But let's go ahead and get started. I want to talk about um, you obviously interviewed um, billionaires, 200 plus entrepreneurs and Olympic athletes as you were working on this latest book that you did, The 15 Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management. So let's talk about the productivity rituals of billionaires. What do they do differently than the average person, Kevin? Yeah, that's a great question. Everyone's always very curious because I was able to get a hold of, you know, as you said, I interviewed seven billionaires, including Mark Cuban. And um, before I uh, specifically share like what Mark told me, you know, a lot of people, I think um, when they hear what I'm about to say, they, they talk, they immediately go to a limiting belief around, well, of course, billionaires are productive. You know, they've got 100 people working for them, managing their life, and they've got nannies and, you know, assistants and all this stuff. And, you know, I think, again, that's really a limiting belief because many of these people I interviewed, including the mere self-made millionaires, they were adopting these practices before they had their success. It was part of their path to success. It wasn't something uh, they did later. And in the case of these you know, ultra successful people, um, yes, they now are in a position where they know how to you know, delegate and staff up, but they also have a whole lot more to be accountable for, more balls in the air than most of us have. So you know, the, the, the group of billionaires, I mean, the, the big 
theme that came out of that group was all about meetings, you know, the danger of meetings. And, you know, Mark Cuban in his typical kind of snarky, funny style, he, you know, I just asked everybody the same question, you know, what's your number one piece of advice when it comes to extreme productivity and time management? And, you know, Cuban said, never do meetings unless someone is writing you a check. <laughs> you know, it's just like so allergic to meetings, unless someone's, you know, giving you some money for it, don't do it. And again, I think, you know, he's, he's being extreme to make a point. I'm sure he has you know, people that report to him that he meets with. I'm sure he has meetings related to Shark Tank and, you know, player drafts for the Mavs and things. Um, but you hear this over and over again. Uh, many of the the billionaires talked about this. The co-founder of Facebook, Dustin Moskovitz, you know, he talked about at Facebook and he brought this practice to his new company, Asana. They have no meeting Wednesdays. So four days of the week, you can have meetings. But every Wednesday, you know, that's a day to make stuff, to do stuff, to work on your most important task, to be creative, to think. And, you know, meetings are just a danger for all of us, whether we're a one person, you know, solopreneur or a billionaire leading a big company. Uh, I wouldn't go so far to say never have any meeting, um, but, you know, you really need to protect your time because most meetings are not an efficient way to either transfer information or to make a decision. Perfect. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, I, I think I relate that for a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs to the planning to do something. They almost meet with themselves, right? They write and rewrite the to-do list. They organize and reorganize. They drag files from here to there. They type this up in this font and then they change it over to that. So I think if you are a business owner or an executive leader, you get stuck in those meetings and, and they literally can overtake your entire life and you spend more time talking about what you might or might not do than actually doing it. And I think for entrepreneurs, they get stuck in that um, planning to do something versus actually taking action, right? Yeah, Kelly, that's that's great advice. You're right. I mean, so many of us, you know, we, we have that dream to be an entrepreneur, to get our business to that next level. And yet we will do meetings almost as a form of procrastination. We just stay in that planning phase or that networking phase or that research phase, and we never actually take action. And, you know, I'd rather see a whole lot of action, some of which is misguided, but, you know, getting some stuff done than always in that planning phase. I think that's great advice. Yeah. And I, I think another great point that you made there, Kevin, that I just want to circle back to quickly is you said, you know, people assume that, you know, these people have these huge teams and that's why they're productive. But you're absolutely right. They were they were productive. And so that was why they were able to build these huge teams because they were focused on the right things and they had control of themselves and their time on the way up. And and that was what got them to that level. And, and I think another other point that you made was they have much greater responsibility. Most of these people are running eight or nine or 12 companies. So right. it's not like, you know, they're not, they're not, you know, the, the, the scope of what they're running is so great that, you know, yes, they may be involved in less tactical tasks than the, you know, the small business owner or entrepreneur, but they certainly um, have as much if not more demands on them minute to minute, day to day. So I think that's, that's right. a, a great point to circle back to. So, you know, obviously one of the things that is super important 
um, for any high performer, six, seven figure, even eight, is going to be that morning routine. And I would love to hear what you learn from your research and your conversations with not only just the billionaires, but also the Olympic athletes and, and some high performing entrepreneurs. You know, what was the common theme that you heard and saw as it relates to that morning routine? Yeah, and this was something that I um, really wasn't looking for, Kelly. I mean, again, I was just doing that open-ended research, hundreds of people saying, you know, give me your top piece of advice. So I expected to hear about calendars and to-do lists and priorities, but so many people answered with my number one piece of advice for productivity is to protect that first hour of your day, your hour of power. And, you know, the rituals were a little different from, from the different people that reported back. Um, you know, no one's doing uh, the exact same thing. There's only one right answer. But almost everybody was waking up and doing some things, a ritual for their body and then also for their mind. And the common elements I tended to see were things like, um, you know, these ultra productive people, they're waking up and they're drinking a lot of water or a green smoothie because they know that we are waking up a little bit dehydrated. Um, they are, you know, ultra productive people are not skipping breakfast. Again, whether it's a protein drink, a green smoothie, or, or some oatmeal, you know, they know that our brain, the prefrontal cortex part, needs glucose, blood sugar, to run. That's our fuel. So we wake up with low blood sugar because we've been fasting for six to eight hours. And so they know that they need to put in some healthy fuel to get the brain going. Um, they're not necessarily doing a CrossFit workout every day, but at least they're walking for 20 minutes or more, whether that's the treadmill or outside. And that's just, you know, oxygenating the, the blood and the brain and waking the, the body up. And similarly for the mind, you know, a lot of people will pray, others will meditate, some people will write in a journal, uh, a lot of people will read their personal mission statement or their goals, but the idea is to really use that time and protect it uh, to, to not just to do more, but to become more. And you're making your body and your mind uh, um, uh, not just better for the long term, but for that day. You know, I like to think about it as, you know, what do the, and this is something you would know something about more than I would, Kelly, but, you know, the way professional athletes might prep on game days. You know, yep. what are their rituals on game day? If you want to be ultra productive, when I really am busy in my day, I'm more likely to get on the treadmill in the morning than on a lazy day because I need my body and my brain to be fired up. And I also, I, and on this topic, I noticed your very, you know, first episode, you've got a great interview with John Lee Dumas and he talks about his non-negotiable, he said, walking around his, uh, the water outside his house in San Diego. And, and this is something I heard over and over again about just protecting that first hour of your morning. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. I'm so, so glad. This is nice because, you know, obviously I interview all different people from all different walks of life, all ultra, ultra successful people like yourself, Kevin. And it's so interesting because I feel like you just literally brought together the things that I've heard in bits and pieces as I've interviewed so many different high-performing people in, in so many different realms, but you just tied it all together with a bow and took all of these pieces and said, yes, like this, this is the verification. Th these are all the things we talk about all the time 
time on Unstoppable Success Radio. So it's just brilliant um, to hear that so, so well put. You know, it's bringing together the body and the mind. It's getting moving. It's preparing like it's game day every day. It's having control of that first hour of the day. I always tell people on, an, uh, you know, on the show that I my day, you know, begins at five. And by 7 a.m., I've accomplished everything that was most important that needed to happen for that day. And so whatever else happens from that point on, you know, I can deal with it. You know, if a distraction comes up, if an emergency happens, you know, you, you deal with it. But if you don't get that time in, in the beginning of the day, you're, you're almost behind the game before you even get started. Right. And Kelly, that's a good, uh, kick in the butt even for me. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a single dad with three kids, two teenage girls and a 12 year old boy. I can hear your listeners giving me sympathy through the airways. Yes. <laughs> and, and I try to get up. I, well, I usually do get up at six o'clock, but when, you know, a lot of by six twenty, I've already kind of flipped over to where I'm talking to my kids or helping to get them out the door and stuff. And I really need to dial that back even earlier. You know, that 5 a.m. miracle, as they say, so that I can get that first hour of power in for myself. And you use that that word, most important task, you know, the MIT, your one thing, you know, let's tackle it as early in the day as possible. Yeah, no, that's perfect. So I know that when you were actually doing this research, Kevin, that you actually, um, you, you, there was an experiment that was done at Harvard where it like saved people eight hours a week. Um, can you walk our listeners through that and how they can make that work for them? Because I think everybody listening, um, you know, that's probably the number one biggest struggle that people have is they know what they want to do. They're trying to find the time to do it. Yeah. this And this was crazy. I mean, imagine if there, there were just three questions that you could be trained to ask over and over again that would save you on average eight hours a week. I mean, it sounds impossible and I wouldn't have believed it myself if it hadn't been written up in Harvard Business Review. So these two researchers, they went into to companies and trained the knowledge workers to ask themselves three questions. They'd have them look at their daily calendar and their weekly calendar. And they would ask first, can they drop it? You know, how valuable is this task? What would happen if I just dropped it? Now, if they couldn't drop it, they would say, can I delegate it? Am I the only person who can do this task? Who else could do this task? And if they can't drop it, can't delegate it, the final question is redesign. How can I achieve the same outcome, but in less time? Or what would I do if I only had half the available time to tackle this task? And what they found is that there were so many more items on the weekly calendar that weren't truly mandatory. They found out I could probably get out of that meeting. I could have somebody else work on this for me. Or, geez, you know, this is the way it's always been done. No one's ever challenged the process. But if I really pause, stop, and think about it, I can come up with a faster way to do it. Mm -hmm. And by teaching all these people, I call them the DDR questions, drop, delegate, or redesign, the average person found that they eliminated six hours of desk work and two hours of meeting time. So eight hours a week, which was really astonishing. That is huge. I love that. I love that. I love that. So, you know, we talk a lot about automation and delegation, outsourcing and delete. So you're bringing people back and you're saying it's really self-awareness is what you're saying. It's actually being aware of where you're spending your time and how you're spending your time and then actually taking action to 
to get rid of it, get it off your plate, make space for something else. Because I think that everyone knows they're supposed to automate. I think they know they're supposed to delegate. But what I think is missing and what I heard you say there, Kevin, is it's actually the self-awareness and the reflection to determine what needs to come off of your plate and then figuring out the problem solving and the action piece of getting it off, right? Yeah, and and Kelly, that's it. It's it's pausing to have that self-awareness You know, even now, you know, I used to have hundreds of employees, you know, now it's myself uh, working with assistants and virtual assistants. And I did this just recently where every Monday I had a VA update in a Google spreadsheet that was my dashboard. And I probably had, I don't know, 15 to 20 columns of data that I would review on a weekly basis, different metrics. And this just recently happened. I finally am in our meeting and I'm like, wait a minute. I said, are you pulling these numbers for me or for you? Because I haven't done anything with these numbers in yeah. months. And she says, no, I don't use those numbers. If I need that, I go look it up in Infusionsoft or whatever. And I said, all right, you know what? Stop updating this number on this report. And it just saved her time. Like we somehow I asked for that number a long time ago. She kept adding it. I kept looking at it. And then we once realized we're not doing anything with that data. So let's save the time and stop putting it in the report. Yeah, I think that's huge, too, because I think that many times and and I do I do talk about this a lot and you're bringing up such a good point here, Kevin. I think many times we almost do things out of habit. And a lot of times that habit no longer makes sense anymore, just like you just shared. But again, it's it's actually the self-reflection and awareness to stop and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is this moving me towards my end goal? Is this making a material difference in my growth, my income, you know, getting from where I am to where I want to be. And, and I think that you're bringing up some some really key things um, for people to take away and, and think about and take action on. So thank you. Great. Um, so I want to transition away from the book a little bit because, Kevin, you've had an unbelievable career. I mean, I think, you know, listening to your bio and reading this, you know, anyone that's tuning in today to Unstoppable Success Radio would absolutely kill to have the career that you've had and the level of success that you've achieved. I mean, it is no small feat to be the co-founder of a multi-million dollar company um, and, and to achieve the Inc. 500 award. I mean, that is huge. So, you know, obviously achieving that required a lot of discipline, a lot of sacrifice, I'm sure. And you, I'm sure learned a lot along the way. So can you just kind of peel the onion back on that journey for us a little bit and what some of your biggest learning and takeaways uh, were? Yeah. And, you know, Kelly, it's, it's, it's a big topic, you know, and I know we don't have a lot of time left. I mean, you're right. I mean, I've been blessed, uh, you know, with in the last decade plus with, you know, multiple business exits that were successful. But early on, I had a lot that crashed and burned and I still have, you know, investments and side projects that that go the wrong way. I mean, being an entrepreneur is not easy. And I think, you know, we celebrate the wins and we stick, you know, Zuckerberg or whomever on the magazine covers. But the reality is, you know, it's a lot of slogging and hard work. And by the nature of it, the odds are against you. And so, you know, when I was in my 20s, I started my very first business, I had no money. You know, I literally lived out of my one room office, sleeping under the desk. I would get up at 5 a.m., go shower at the YMCA, and then come back and start the day and work till midnight. And I did that for a year and failed miserably. I mean, hustle wasn't enough. And later, I mean, I had my first uh, exit for over a million dollars when I was age 30. 
but I was working 80 to 100 hours a week. And I mean, I was mentally and physically a mess. You know, uh, how good of a husband could I have been back then? How good of a of a father could I have been, you know, working those hours? And that's, you know, was sort of what was behind this book is, yes, I believe in the hustle. I believe entrepreneurs need to work hard, but it's also important to work smart and to realize that, you know, this really is a marathon, you know, not a sprint. And so, you know, my first business crashed and failed. My second one, you know, I shut down after a year. It was the third one that finally hit. And I think it's just important to realize that this is a long game. And so you do need to take care of yourself physically, mentally. You you do need to have a balanced life. You know, if you truly value your family, well, let's look at your calendar. How much time are you giving them, right? Right. Um, So, it, that, that's the big takeaway is, yeah, it's nice to see um, the stuff that makes the, the newspapers, but there's all those failures, all that hard work, all that relationship pain over years that nobody ever talks about. And you just I just would urge your listeners to keep it all balanced while they're on that journey. Yeah, I think keeping in perspective the fact that if you burn yourself out, lose your health, lose your family, and you know, sacrifice all of those things on your journey to success, when you do finally arrive there, no matter what it looks like on the outside, you know, you're, you're not going to be happy on the inside. And, and so I think that is the best possible advice that you can give to people because I always say this, entrepreneurship is a rocky road, man. It is not... You know, it's exactly what you said. They, you know, you see the magazine covers, you see what's on the internet, but then there's like the real life, right? And there's, you know, the work and the pain and the sacrifice and the ups and downs. And um, I, I think you're just giving amazing advice um, to people and saying to keep that balance and to keep that perspective for sure. Great. What would you say were some of the biggest catalysts for growth in the companies that you've had great success with? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, trying to come up with some, some actionable things uh, for your listeners. I mean, one of the the big ones I tell entrepreneurs uh, who are just starting out, a a big accelerator for me was when I wrote a book. And Kel, I know your book just came out. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. And that's great because, I mean, nothing, um, you know, you can talk about the big picture of content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing. A book is like the gravity in the the middle of all of that. And, you know, the the root word of authority is author. And whether it's deserved or not, when you become an author, I mean, people treat you differently. They respect you in a different way. You know, if your competition is going in to pitch a, a customer and slapping down their business card and you walk in and slap down your book, it's a whole different level of conversation. And it's never been a better time or an easier time to become an author. And I've published books traditionally with traditional publishers and I've published them a lot now independently, you know, as a self-published person. And the stigma has really gone away from independent publishing and that's where the money is. You know, if you want to get into bookstores and have nobody know your book exists, that's fine, go traditional, but you can quickly and easily independently publish your book and make a lot of money, you know, from the sales while also using it as a promotional piece. And, you know, related to that, just again, peeling that onion, when you've got that book, 
There's so much you can do with that. You can repurpose that content on social media, on your blog, as guest posts. You know, you can use that book as gifts, as promotional tools, as giveaways. You can use that book as a springboard to your speaking career. And whether you're doing it for money or to build your brand and to get clients, I mean, I, I do both and have always done both. But that was a real game changer. When I did my first book, you know, over like 15 years ago or whatever it was, all of a sudden, I saw, you know, uh, a big spike in what happened next in the business. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we're definitely starting to see that at Kelly Roach Coaching. And, you know, we're just a couple of weeks in. And I, I think that uh, I think you're right. I mean, people ask me, why did I self-publish versus um, going through a publisher? And, and, you know, for all the reasons that you just stated there. Um, so that's that's great advice for our listeners. And, um, you know, I love that. And I think that everything that you've shared today definitely um, not only gives gives people, you know, great, great inspiration and, and motivation, but also some really great realities of entrepreneurship um, that are going to help keep them, you know, in the game for the long term. So that's, that's awesome. Um, I know that you obviously have this book about time management. What kind of got you to the point? I mean, obviously, you've had experience in so many different areas. And, you know, in a variety of different types of businesses, what attracted you to writing this specific book about time management? And, and why do you have such a focus on that area. <laughs> Kelly, you're being too nice. Another way to say that is why in the world do we need another book on time management? <laughs> no, I think we need a million books on time management. I mean, it's the biggest thing people struggle with, but I just want to know why you specifically chose yeah. this topic. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I've i written on other business topics and leadership, but just over a year ago, I kind of said, listen, you know, what, what do I really want to write for my kids? I mean, if I get hit by a bolt of lightning, What's the wisdom I wish they would have would have, you know, and um, time, you know, it's, it's goal setting time and relationships are the big mm -hmm. three things to master. And when it comes to time management, even though there's all those courses and all those books and I've taken them all, I've read them all. We're all running around saying we're yes. crazy busy. We're overworked and overwhelmed. We're totally stressed out. And so that's when I said, OK, I remember when I was young and dumb in my 20s and sacrificing you know, my health and my relationships because I wasn't doing it right. By the time I was sold the last business, you know, I was I, early on that $1 million a year business, I was working 80 to 100 hours a week. 10 years later, I was doing a million dollars a month and working less than 40 hours right. a week. Same yeah. kind of business, same people, same clients. I just totally figured it out. Right. And then I, but I didn't want to make it just about me. It's like, let me go see what the world's, most successful people are saying. And so that's why I was passionate. I mean, I saw the sacrifice, the, the impact doing it the wrong way had, being crazy busy all the time, what that impact was. And I knew there was a better way. And um, uh, so this is really, I mean, I hate that phrase time management, but it's really about how do you achieve extreme productivity without feeling so stressed out all the time? That's yeah. that's really what was behind the book. Yeah, no, I love it. So we talked a little bit about the secrets of billionaires and what they do. What are some of your core principles that are like your absolutes, Kevin? Because I think people can really learn. I mean, you just shared, you went from a business doing a million a year to a million a month and you were working less hours. That's the goal of every entrepreneur. Um, tell us about some of your core principles and rituals that you live by to achieve achieve success? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the 15 are all good, but some of the core ones and certainly the ones that people resist and are, are kind of challenged by is, you know, for example, 
ultra productive people. I like to put myself in that category. You know, we don't use to do lists. You need to throw away your to do list. <laughs> what you need to do instead is live from your calendar. The problem with to do lists, and, and you know, as I did all these interviews, I, ex I expected to hear about to do lists. Nobody talked about to do lists. They're all living from their calendar. And I found research, 2015 research, that shows that. 41% of everything we put on our to-do list never gets done. You know, it turns out our to-do list is where the important but not urgent stuff goes to die. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, according to something called the Zygernick effect, when we know we have to do something but there's no plan, it increases our stress levels. That's why we go home exhausted at night but still can't sleep. And so the challenge is take all of those tasks that you have on your to-do list, and if you really want to do them, Pick a day, pick a time, and pick the duration and put it on your calendar. And then throw away your to-do list. And all of a sudden, you really are in tune with the 1,440 minutes we have in a given day, you know, the, the 168 hours in the week. And we're more likely to say no to opportunities and favors and requests. And if we say yes, we have to immediately, we can't just say yes, we have to go to our calendar and say, yes, I can meet with you for coffee to talk about your new crazy idea, but I can't do it until five weeks from now because that's mm -hmm. the first spot on my calendar. Mm -hmm. So that's a hard one for people to understand, but to move from being a lister to a scheduler is life-changing. And I think the other one, uh, you know, we touched on it earlier, is just getting really clear on what your one thing is, your most important task. And that can change over time. I don't mean like your goal. I mean, in any given day, what is the one thing that will most advance you towards your goal? So if you're in sales and you've got a million dollar sales goal this year, listen, at the beginning of the year, your MIT, your most important task might be prospecting. So you should spend that first hour of your day banging out 50 cold calls. You know, if, if a few months after that, you now have many leads and, and you know, uh, you're, you've got a sales cycle going, your most important task for a given day might be to, you know, finish up that proposal or to prepare the PowerPoint deck for your presentation or whatever that thing might be. But always know what your MIT is and work on it early in the morning when your brain is at its freshest and before all those other distractions and fires and problems occur throughout. So those would be the two I would recommend. I love it. They are, that is absolutely perfect. I think the scheduling on your calendar can be life-changing for people. And I also think it's a great accountability tool. You know, you told yourself that you were going to do this at this time, you know, be, be true to yourself and follow through because you put it on the calendar, you know, because it, it had a purpose and a reason. And if it's not important enough to go on the calendar, then don't commit to doing it, right? Absolutely. I love it. That was awesome. So any parting words? I mean, you shared so much great stuff with our listeners today. Any parting words or last, you know, words of advice that you want to give to our listeners today, Kevin? Just really quickly when it comes to productivity, I mean, realize time is life. I mean, if we don't have time, the money doesn't matter. Our health doesn't matter. Our relationships don't matter. I mean, we need time to, to actually have our life and to enjoy our life. 1440 is the number that can change your life. When you realize we only have 1,440 minutes in a day and you never get them back, 
all of a sudden everything else falls into place and you're going to spend your minutes more wisely. You won't let people steal them with, hey, you got a minute <laughs> and all those requests. If you can just truly feel how valuable time is, you'll become more productive and all the tactics become much easier to implement. Perfect. I love it. That's great. Thank you so much, Kevin. And where can people, if they want to learn more, they want to download a resource of yours, they want to just get in touch with you, what's the best way to connect? Yeah, uh, you know, in bookstores and on Amazon, if they just type in 15 secrets, it'll pop up on Amazon and they'll find the book. Or just go to 15timesecrets.com. That's 15timesecrets.com. I'm Kevin Cruz. I'm on all the social media channels. Love to, to hear from your listeners and answer any questions they have. Love it. Thank you so much. You've been a brilliant guest today, Kevin. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks, Kelly. All right. You are listening to Unstoppable Success Radio. And until next time, I want to remind you guys to dream big, take action, and don't stop until you make it happen. Thanks so much. Are you an entrepreneur or an inspiring entrepreneur that hopes to build a successful six or seven figure business? Head on over to Amazon and grab your copy of my new book, Unstoppable, Nine Principles for Unlimited Success in Business and in Life. This is the roadmap. It's the playbook and the cliff notes that myself and my high-performing clients are using to catapult our business growth and impact our incomes. Grab your copy today by heading on over to Amazon.